We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday uh, post-Week 18 edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be talking first-round mock draft. We'll be recapping our futures uh, over-under props or bets, I guess, we made that uh, weren't were great, Jake. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show. Wasn't as successful of a season as we had in uh, the past couple of years, which is fine, yeah. given all the quarterback injuries and uh, really put a bow on overall the 2023-24 fantasy football season lots to cover our last show of the year but of course we'll have plenty of playoff conversation uh playoff prop bets stuff like that uh on this channel but for you and i jake this is gonna be our last show let's hit the music right away Again, welcome everyone to the Tuesday uh, edition of the Road Warrior Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Circus Sports. I'm Joe Barley. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. You can follow Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, for the video audience, you'll notice that we are both at home. We are in the midst of what is expected to be a foot of snow dropping here in the Madison area. So yep. needless to say, we are grounded. Uh, it is you can't even get out of my here at home. I'm just happy the internet's working here. <laughs> it's a snow day for the wife and the kids so if we hear any uh extracurricular activities in the background uh just know i'm trying to survive a toddler life as yeah. best i can so yeah i, mean, uh, my, my, I got can. my brother slash tenant also working from home here, here today so uh <laughs> so we've all got uh, background risk here but you know that's where we're at in here in 2023 the pandemic allowed us to uh do these makeshift home studios once in a while so uh hopefully you all enjoy our last show i'm ready to roll with you yeah, and already have people in the chat asking uh, value for next season, which is going to be our primary focus on the Tuesday show, talking first-round mock draft. Somebody was asking if Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, were to fall into the second round, is that a steal? Well, we'll get to that. We'll see if any tight ends make our first-round mock draft. We are doing this exercise, Jake. We've done it now a number of years with the, with the, the pretense that we are in a PPR league. It's a typical 12-person 12, uh, 12 league. Uh, and I think we're going to see a change relative to what we have in past years as to what position is primarily focused on. I remember we did the show last year and I said, I think B. John Robinson could be a first round pick. I might've put him at 10 or 11 at the time. Uh, needless to say, I don't believe there is going to be a rookie that cracks our top, uh, our top 12 overall picks come next 
August, uh, but we'll see, you know, depending on the draft looks in super flex leagues, maybe you have the case for uh, Caleb Williams or some of that, but uh, a lot of that dynasty conversation will be happening on this podcast network over the coming weeks. John and Mario in particular are going to be tackling the combine stuff and uh, mm-hmm. even pro days, what that all means, how, how it will shape out. And we're going to have plenty of coverage uh, overall with rookies and dynasty conversation, but you and I are focusing yeah, and on I'm, and I'm sure, draft wanna, next year. Yeah, exactly. I just want to add in that like, at some point over the next couple of weeks or early next year, we'll do a super flex mock draft. But uh, I am just going to say that I'm highly skeptical that any quarterbacks will be taken in our first round mock. And even if we extended in round two, there would probably be no quarterbacks here because the people that did maybe reach a little bit for your Josh Allen and Mahomes types this year, were definitely hurt. And we're definitely, you know, maybe not, uh, maybe not advancing so far this year. So I think this is a, this is a, it's a perfect year for the weight on quarterbacks. I mean, the league winners were your CJ Stroud guys and whatnot. So yeah, I think uh, again, full point PPR league, uh, 12 people across the whole roster. I'm sorry, across the league. Uh, We're going to go back and forth on this. So we both had Christian McCaffrey, number one overall. I think that's going to be the unanimous selection next year, kind of in the same vein of the, the priest Holmes, Larry Johnson's Marshall Falks and Ladainian Tomlinson's of yesteryears when we first started doing uh, fantasy football. I don't think there is going to be a more unanimous number one overall selection in recent memory relative to what CMC will be next season. So I don't know if there's much more to discuss with him, but at number what about, two, what about, I mean, I know this isn't a super flex show, but what about a uh, super flex? Is he, uh, is he number one, even in super flex? No, no. I, I think you still take Mahomes, depending on what the, uh, the chiefs do this offseason. Mahomes, Allen, I think Jalen hurts even belongs in there, depending on what your scoring system yep. is. Uh, and and you can make the case for Burrow coming off an injury, C.J. Stroud with what the Texans might do. There's far too many quarterbacks that I think uh, McCaffrey, much like Justin Jefferson this year, would be more like pick one eight, one nine, one ten in a a redraft super flex format. So I'll probably take him like eight in the fishbowl, and 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 he'll get injured or something, right? No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guarantee I agree McCaffrey yeah, exactly one, number one overall. But if I am lucky enough to get into three, four, five number one picks situations. Um, I might, I would consider diversifying, um, a little bit because, uh, yes, it was great. He stayed healthy this year and that showed his absolute ceiling, but, uh, I don't know, there's been injuries in the past and, uh, it'll be something that we want to watch, but overall, you know, the first three number one picks I get, I'm going McCaffrey. It's interesting. Last year's number two, number three was CMC. You could make the case for Jamar Chase. Tyree Kill was in that conversation. Travis Kelsey really was the, the obvious one through four, with Jeff, Justin Jefferson being number one point one for the most part, I I think it's 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 similar tiered system, but I'm very curious how you rank some of these top end guys. I made a list of people that I would consider in the first round. It wasn't a be all end all. This is how I'd rank things overall. But I think there was 14 guys that I'd consider among the first 12 picks, uh, and I think you more or less had that. So I'll give you the floor at number one point two after McCaffrey was already taken first overall. Who would you be drafting to build your teams? Yeah, so we're. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a, a perhaps a surprise pivot here, and um, I'm going to go with the man who actually um, outproduced Christian McCaffrey in PPR scoring. The number one scorer in PPR, and that man's name is CD Lamb. I'm doing that number two now. I know that might not be the consensus uh, when it comes around here, and uh, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm trying to get a little bit spicy here for the purposes of our show and to ignite some conversation. But, you know, really, for me, it was probably between CD Lamb and guys like Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. But the things I like about CD Lamb is he's entering his age 25 season. Um, you know, you know that's huge for me, as opposed to Tyreek Hill, who's turning – 
who's about to enter his age 30 season. CeeDee Lamb has not missed a single game in four seasons. Um, and we know who the quarterback's going to be, right? The one thing with Justin Jefferson, and it certainly yep. may not matter, but the one thing with Justin Jefferson is we really don't know who's playing quarterback for the Vikings in 2023. So obviously, if you take this first round mock here and you shift it all the way up to uh, you know next uh, you know September or, or late August, um, Justin Jefferson could very well take this number two spot. But I'm going to go ahead and pencil in Ceedee Lamb at number two overall because uh, really the first round pick. Unless you took McCaffrey this year, this is the rare one. The first round pick doesn't necessarily win you the league, but it can certainly lose you the league. And CeeDee Lamb, maybe it's a little bit conservative, but he's most likely to not uh, lose you the league. Yeah, and a user asked in the chat, and I think this is a really good conversation, CeeDee Lamb really didn't start becoming uh, overall league winner CeeDee Lamb until week five or six. And that was in large part Dak Prescott kind of figuring things out. I think the offense overall uh, for the Cowboys – didn't know what their identity was. We had heard Mike McCarthy talk about how they want to use Tony Pollard even more, the running game just overall. And not that it was abandoned, but I think if you drafted Pollard this year, you were certainly disappointed. Whereas Absolutely. the passing attack and Dak Prescott too, fantastic. So if you were to be slow again to start the year, is he still worth taking at number 1.2, which is kind of what you recommended? If you got into the playoffs at 8-8, eight and eight, you probably made it to the semifinals or maybe the finals. And if you made it to the finals, I think C.D. Lamb, what, had 40? So, yeah, something along those lines, yes. So, um, yeah, slow start aside. So you could argue that he's had a record-setting season despite a third start, and he is right in the in the heat of his athletic prime. And, you know, for all the coaches that have been getting fired and all the changes and all the quarterback inconsistency, Lamb looks like he's going to have the same coach, coordinator, quarterback, right. um, you know, in his year. And, and, again, the fact that he hasn't missed a game in four seasons, you know, some might say he's due, but I don't necessarily believe uh, that mindset. He seems to be uh, good enough, uh, you know, physical enough and good enough at avoiding the big shots and having a good enough quarterback to not hang him out to dry to, uh, to be able to, um, you know, continue to keep up, stay healthy a little bit. Where, again – um, you know, Tyreek Hill might be another one of those that gets considered here, but uh, entering age 30 season has had a couple soft tissue injuries. His speed, you know, the speed is a lot of uh, speed is often what goes here as you start to uh, get on the tail end or arguably pass your prime. Obviously, not saying that about Tyreek Hill yet, but uh, you know, when you compare the two, one has better numbers, one has a, almost a better offense, one has better offense. The Cowboys' offense was undoubtedly better than the Chiefs or the Chiefs, the Dolphins last year, even though it was a close, you know, a hot start. Uh, but, um, but yeah, for me, it's CeeDee Lamb number two. And I know that uh, it's probably spicy, a little bit controversial. There are certain other outside circumstances that can get me to change my mind by the time August rolls around. But right now, if we're doing best ball drafts, I think CeeDee Lamb is the safest number two pick with a ceiling just as high as any of the other options. I actually don't think it's it's all that spicy or outlandish to say CeeDee Lamb is going to be among the top three, four overall picks come next year, given exactly what you said, that there's going to be some familiar, familiarity, what we did over the course of this season now and kind of confirmation the Cowboys offense is legitimate and theoretically nothing should be changing. Maybe you lose an offensive line piece, but overall the core of what made CeeDee Lamb the top overall wider, fantasy wide receiver will all come back next year. They're, they're, and it's a certainty in that regard. I'm going with Justin Jefferson at 1.3, and I'm I'm trying not to make the mistake that I made, ironically, when it was Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb's rookie year, 
Uh, my brain is already in dynasty mode, so I'm thinking of this rookie receiver class. And it's obviously Marvin Harrison at 1-1 very clearly, but I love uh, Keon Coleman from FSU. We saw Adunze uh, not do exactly what we're hoping for against Michigan as, as a Big Ten Badger fans, but uh, he was certainly good. I mean, there's three or four receivers, and my, my couched example has been always, well, uh, you'll take Marvin Harrison 1.1, obviously, if you're looking at non-superflex leagues, but I like all the other receivers equally among those top three. I don't want to make that same mistake because I did that with Jerry Judy and CD Lamb. I like Lamb and I like Judy. It's 1A and 1B. There was clearly a 1A and it was Lamb, and Jerry Judy hasn't been anywhere near that. I don't want to make that same mistake saying Jefferson, Lamb, and Tyree Kill are all the same. I think Lamb and Jefferson are absolutely together, and I think Tyree Kill, and we'll get that a little bit later on, is mm -hmm. below that group. So Jefferson to me is 1.3. I am operating, Jake, under the idea that the Vikings – know they can be competitive in the NFC, certainly in the NFC North, and whether it's Kirk Cousins, whether it's getting another veteran quarterback, whether it's trading up and getting a high-profile rookie, there's a number of different ways that can very easily and confidently confirm and improve possibly that position. Uh, and we saw Kirk Cousins before he was healthy, likely was going to be one of the better offenses in the league and certainly in the NFC. Jefferson already had some injury concerns, but it didn't feel like it was uh, – Christian Watson, repetitive type of hamstring deals. It was yep. more fluky circumstance. And we know Jefferson is one of the best receivers in the league. We saw Jordan Aston now emerge as a quality target. And TJ Hawkinson, who knows when he'll be back. She'll have to rely on Jefferson earlier. To me, Absolutely. it's it's uh, 1.2 or 1.3 after McCaffrey. And you could say Lamb too. Jefferson's an easy call among the top three picks. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. Um, the one thing about his injury that I actually like is – it seems like the Vikings did a good job managing it and were overly mm. cautious about it. You know, he uh, he missed pretty much the full end of his return timetable there. And when he came back, you know, he looked like he was healthier, at least in week 18. He ended the season on an exclamation point. Uh, I believe it was 30 half PPR points. Uh, yeah. Still not enough to get the 90 I needed in stake league, but uh, but um, but also still very good. So I 100% agree with you. Justin Jefferson is number three, and he could easily uh, – catapult himself up to number two um you know with uh once the quarterback situation is solidified there so i'm very interested uh in that and in what the vikings decide to do and you know even with the uncertainty he's a top three pick in uh, your best ball leagues as well so moving to number four i know i knocked tyreek hill a couple of times um but really that was only uh only done to uh help rationalize my lamb and jefferson uh ranking ahead of tyreek hill but uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake. Uh, I think everybody who drafted um, five or below uh, and didn't take end up with Tyreek Hill ended up making a huge mistake in draft season this year. And uh, so for that reason, I am, I am going to take him uh, number four overall. I mean, uh, just the speed, the uh, development, and what was health of, of Tua this year and that overall offense here, I think Tyreek Hill is a game-breaker that on his own will win you four or five weeks during the fantasy yeah. season. Um, the, the volatility of the production, you know, is sometimes a little bit concerning, but, um, and you just got to hope that the rest of your team is good enough in the playoffs to win a title, but Tyreek Hill will play a huge part of getting you there and possibly getting you some points titles as well. So uh, Tyreek was arguably one of the MVPs this season, as, as we see here. Um, I'm, I'm throwing him in at number four, even though he's entering his age 30 season. I'm ecstatic that you took Tyreek Hill. I was hoping that would be the case because I actually have B. John Robinson in my first-round mock ranked ahead of him. And it's because of the news that surfaced yesterday that Arthur Smith had been fired at 12.01 a.m. Eastern time by Arthur Blank, owner of the Falcons. 
Uh, and it means that the Falcons' fantasy hell is finally over, hopefully. Whether it means Kyle Pitts or Drake London or Bijan Robinson, three uber-talented guys, we are going to see a better offensive scenario in year two for Bijan Robinson than year one. And you could make the argument that Bijan Robinson's rookie season was still totally fine. Now, week 18, he gets the 70-yard receiving touchdown, certainly boosts his numbers a little bit, but he was already among the top 12, 14 fantasy running backs overall this season, and that was with bizarre play calling, inconsistent opportunities, and an offense that was severely hampered by Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. I, I think that quarterback position by default has to get better next year. The Falcons have a premium enough pick where they can improve that too, and Bijan Robinson – by all accounts, lived up to the draft hype that he had coming out of Texas. I, mm -hmm. I feel fully confident if we are drafting running backs earlier and not taking Christian McCaffrey, there is one player that can outperform what his ADP will be entering next season. It's B. John Robinson. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the Arthur Smith news, you know, I love Dallin's tweet right away. Ding dong, the witch is dead here. So we're going to find <laughs> um, we're going to find real fast here. Um if Arthur Smith is indeed the uh, the dunce that every fantasy analyst has in, indeed thought he was. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on here with B. Jen Robinson. And I like B. Jen Robinson. I agree with you. Absolutely. He's a first-round pick. Um, I actually had him ranked a little bit lower than you, though. I have one more running back uh, ranked ahead of it. B. Jen is my RB3, and B. Jen is uh, number eight overall on my list. And I guess I'm just going to stick to my list and keep rolling here when it comes to to my pick here at number six overall i am going to roll with jamar chase um he was the consensus adp number two last or last year and jamar chase actually in my mind has just as good a chance to finish as wide receiver one as lamb jefferson or hill will expect burrow to be back he's supposed to be throwing by otas if anything burrow will finally have the full offseason to get right and get healthy. And Chase produced just fine with Jake Browning at the helm as well. Um, he is, uh, yeah, again, wide receiver, number one material. I don't, um, you know, there's not there's not much behind him. You know, T. Higgins had a couple good games without Chase. But, uh, but yeah, I'm all over Chase at, um, let's see, this will be pick number six overall in my draft. I have Chase at uh, number five overall in my early 2024 rankings. Uh, he, he's the man, and uh, I don't think that's going to change. So I'm, I'm curious what your answer to this is, and, and I think I know mine. Let's say T. Higgins is not back for the Bengals next season. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You could possibly tag him, but they're entering a cap situation, especially after paying Burrow what they did and knowing Chase comes next year. You might have to pick one or the other, and I would say by every account, everyone's taking Jamar Chase in that instance. <laughs> if T. Higgins is not a Bengals wide receiver next year, and let's assume they don't draft one high in the first round, although it's certainly possible. Does that add value to, to, to Jamar Chase's fantasy value, or would that make you a little bit more nervous to take him? I, I think it's pretty neutral because uh, he could have, he could he's a guy that could get by just on targets. I mean, if, if he gets uh, you know the, the like Keenan Allen type volume, I think he can sure. still succeed and be productive in that. And even if he does, uh, even if they do bring in more competition or, or draft another rookie, which I could totally see them doing. Um, I, I it doesn't worry me. I mean, Chase is a elite of enough player that he can excel in double coverage. He can excel whether it's based on volume or efficiency, quality targets, and um, and either way, yeah, Chase, yeah, Chase is my man there. It doesn't, uh, yeah, whatever happens, Higgins back, Higgins not back, uh, wouldn't change my ranking here with Chase at number five. I would be really surprised if Higgins is in a Bengals uniform next season. He's going to be one of the top on the market free agent wide receivers. 
I don't know if the Bengals really want to go ahead and spend that. But also, as, as I do more research on this upcoming rookie class, I, I think it's entirely possible the Bengals could draft a guy in the first round and say, kind of like what we were hearing in the conversation from Justin Fields and the Bears, you, you're resetting the first-round rookie clock at your quarterback spot. You're kind of resetting the wide receiver clock as well, too, now, after Devontae Adams and Hill and all those guys got those $30-plus million-a-year contracts you're you're saving like 15 20 million if you're taking a receiver at 12 as opposed to paying T Higgins 24 which i think is probably at at, at most what uh, well, at, sorry at least is what he'll probably get if he hits the open market i'm not concerned though i thought especially with Jake Browning when he was quarterback you saw Zach Taylor become a much better play caller than i had even confidence entering the super bowl you know mm-hmm. and period that play caller that offense that quarterback can find Jamar Chase any single time and can scheme him open any single way. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine at 1.6 for Jamar Chase. I would take Amon Ross St. Brown just a bit higher though. I would take St. Brown ahead of Jamar Chase and he marks my 1.7 selection. That Lions offense again, much like we were saying uh, with CD Lamb, theoretically shouldn't change. The one concern though, and it became even more apparent now with Mike Rabel, news today that he's not the Titans head coach this year, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, is going to get a head coach job somewhere. Whether he'll be success, successful or not, I don't know. That's that's not the conversation for today. But he will get an HG job somewhere else. So do the Lions – does the Lions' offense look different? Yeah, it's got to. It's got to look different next year. Does that mean St. Brown is going to get utilized to 160 targets like he has the past couple of years? I would imagine yes. Do you think Jamison Williams, uh, given the draft capital investor, becomes more involved? I would hope so, especially after missing a few games off the suspension. And I don't think they move off Jared Goff. They do have Hennon Hooker there. Uh, the Lions will, I guess, spoiler for the article that's posted later today, I think they lose in the first round here to the Rams. They won't have a draft capital pick high enough to uh, really dive into the offense, but I think they really have some issues defensively where you're investing draft capital significantly in that spot. So I, I think St. Brown, even with the Ben Johnson offense corner change, will be involved to the extent that he should be in PPR leagues among the first five, six, seven players drafted overall. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Stafford narrative is a little too juicy to pass up. And I like, I like them this week too. Um, but, but yeah, so St. Brown is excellent. He's like the perfect safety pick, right? Because uh, he, he, he gets such huge volume. He's good enough after the catch to turn some of these slants and out routes, get up field and get into the end zone. So, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about, um, touchdown variance that happens with so many guys based on the red zone targets. Um, and you're right, uh, largely the same, you know, at least at least head coach and uh, quarterback here we expect for uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. It was really, really difficult for me to rank between uh, Chase and Amon Ra St. Brown. They were very, very close for me. Um, St. Brown's the floor pick and Chase is the ceiling pick, I guess yeah. would be the way that I would, that yeah. I would describe that. And both of them are perfectly fine at six, seven in the draft. So I'm definitely all about that. Can um, we agree, guess, Jake, real quick that this is, there's a tier, very, lo- very linear tier of the first seven. You could say McCaffrey one, one obvious. Then you go some conversation, com- com- combination of Jefferson, Tyree kill lamb, uh, maybe Bijan if you really want to running back among those next ones. Mm-hmm. And then this is it. I think there's a very big drop off. Once again, this is now three consecutive years where I'm like, Oh, I, I would hate picks. One eight and later, uh, and I think it's kind of clear once again after the, after this point where it's like I, I don't feel great about what I'm selecting here. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, of course, just by the nature of things, we get uh, we get a little bit riskier going here, and um, I, I tier it a little bit differently because I've got McCaffrey on a tier of his own, 
And then I have Bijan in uh, for doing running backs. I have Bijan right there with Jonathan Taylor. Even Jonathan Taylor might even be above him on my rankings. I think I might be a little bit more likely to get back into the Jonathan Taylor game over Bijan. At least if I get a lot of these picks, I'm going to split up that exposure. I actually had Jonathan Taylor number six overall on my list ahead of mm. both Amon Ra and Bijan. Um, I just think that Jonathan Taylor is an elite talent. And uh, he, I know he had a lot of tread on his tires in college and early on in his career, um, But the in, and he missed time due to injury this year. But the injuries he missed time to this year aren't super concerning. They have his contract situation sorted out here. Um, Anthony Richardson will be back, which you could maybe argue takes away some of the inside the five upside. Oh, it adds more value, actually, from a rushing perspective, absolutely adds more value to JT. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I started with the devil's advocate side of that argument in which Richardson, uh, you know, could they're not the Eagles. And it's not like how Jalen Hurts takes away the value of uh, the running backs considerably here. Uh, this is the Colts, and I think uh, what's good for the goose, good for the gander, however you want to put it. Uh, Anthony Richardson being back, you know, he looked like such a solid player before he went down due to injury in his rookie season. You know, he had a he had a good chunk of experience and then a good t- chunk of time to watch and practice and, uh, you know, get the timeline, get the feel of the NFL. I think Anthony Richardson will probably be comeback player of the year next year unless Rodgers goes out and balls out. But uh, Anthony Richardson, I, I I think highly of him, and I think highly of the Colts and what they're able to do. They almost made the playoffs with Gardner Minshew this year. I think they'll be back in the playoffs uh, next season here. And just the fact that you need to have a spy or your defensive end needs to keep a very close eye on Anthony Richardson means that Jonathan Taylor is going to get even more, um, you know, big holes, big, big lanes, big running opportunities. And Jonathan Taylor, you saw it even in week 18. Mario was highlighting it on Twitter. He needs one look, one cut, one move, you know, all in one, all in one sequence that happens. And he is off to the house. So skill wise among running backs, I still think Jonathan Taylor is absolutely elite. Obviously when we start to talk into dynasty things, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor has two or three of these seasons left, but next year on what I believe will be fresh legs too. I mean, the time that he missed due to non serious or long-term injuries, um, you know, if anything gave him some rest and no playoffs to worry about too, he'll be out there on fresh legs. And I would argue he is right up there in the same tier as B John. I might've taken him five or six, um, but, uh, but I love him. I, I love to get him down at eight in this situation. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you don't want to be 1.8 and below. If you got just Jonathan Taylor at eight, I would be totally fine with that. You're right. And this, this was the next call for me. I thought it was a very obvious one of my list. I would go Jonathan Taylor. You have painted me in a corner. And I guess I'm going to come with what I think is a hot take, but maybe you could tell me I'm incorrect mm-hmm. in this. I'm going to have Brees Hall at 1.9. I think he's an obvious first-round pick. Uh, with the way I'm projecting things. I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers will come back while he's not full of mind. Uh, he will be fully healthy. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, obviously a great receiver. We know the Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb stuff. Uh, it feels like the Jetsiest thing to do for them to draft a first-round rookie receiver with their high pick as opposed to getting an offensive lineman. You will have an ability to sign offensive lineman. I would assume the Jets will also pick up David Bakhtiari if when he's cut by the Packers. They will improve the offensive line by other means. Whether it'll be successful is a different conversation and will likely be the reason why uh, the GM and head coach will be there following next season or not. But Brees Hall is a certified stud, whether he's a pass catcher or is a runner. And I understand the offense over the past four weeks has been exclusively Brees Hall because the QBs have been so poor. 
but you're going to find scenarios with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback that the offense just moves the ball far more effectively. And while he might not get a per-touch basis like we saw in the last month and a half of the season, he will be far more efficient with those touches. And oh, by the way, he was already uh, running back one in the last month and a half. I think Brees Hall with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, even though we saw very we saw four plays overall with Aaron Rodgers as the QB for the, for the New York Jets, that offense is going to be electric so long as Rodgers is healthy and Brees Hall is going to be the biggest beneficiary for me. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't work out with Rodgers, there's nowhere to go up from here, right? There's nowhere to go but up for the for this offense. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, true. Even if Rodgers has a down year with half his production he had in his worst year with the Packers, that's still far better than the quarterback play that they got this year, right? And despite all of this turmoil, Brees Hall still managed to have a relatively successful fantasy season. Um, every time he has been healthy, he has absolutely torn it up. He, you know, his rookie year um, – he, he looked absolutely outstanding before injury. He looked great all season long once, you know, after those first couple of weeks when they kind of, kind of let him loose. So Brees Hall, I actually had 11 on my list, and he is RB4 for me as well, uh, right behind McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor and BJ Robinson. So we're definitely in agreement that Brees Hall is your next pick off the board here. Um, if you want to go running back, yeah. Yeah, if you want to go running back here. And now we kind of get into an interesting situation here. Um, I think I'm going to – so, you know, again, all these picks from 8 to 12 are going to be very, very debatable, a little mm-hmm. bit based on personal preference, uh, that kind of thing. But I'm just going to stick to the rankings I put out. I uh, I jotted down here before the show. And I'm going to go back to the A.J. Brown train um, from Philadelphia. Um to me, yes, he really kind of let fantasy managers down in the playoffs and towards the end of the year, as did the entire Eagles team, right? The Eagles, sure, yeah. the Eagles blew up. I mean, this is one of the teams we'll get to in a bit where we both had overs on the Eagles and it was going to look great, um, you know, with four weeks left. And then, you know, guess what? They don't win another game. So uh, so, so that was rough here. But um, the Eagles, of course, are, are free falling going into the playoffs here. Maybe they've had they have a chance to right the ship. I know A.J. Brown has been a little bit dramatic there at times uh, with Hurts, but, you know, you're a wide receiver. That's your job, right, to be a diva. So um, the Eagles offense is far better when they are getting A.J. Brown very high volume. He is capable of gigantic week-winning games. He is a big physical target that is a tough man to bring down in the open field with with uh, you know with plenty of speed, good route running, good hands. Um, I think Hurts and A.J. Brown – Figure it out this offseason, get it back together, and make him worthy of that number one pick. Now, there's a handful of receivers you can argue are on the same tier, but I'm going to go back to A.J. Brown in this scenario. I was going to take A.J. Brown if you didn't. So he he made our top 12, but it's towards the end. And my question to you, or I guess overall, is A.J. Brown going to be the C.D. Lamb of this year who is getting taken, what, 1.9, 1.10? Or is he going to be the Devontae Adams of this year who was also a back-end-of-the-first-round selection for a lot of folks? And if you had Devontae Adams and you made it to the fantasy playoffs, he probably won you the league. I mean, there was instances over the last two or three weeks where he was dynamic <laughs> along the same caliber of Amari Cooper in terms of overall. It was one the quarterfinals. He had a rough game, but the semis and the finals, he was he was a-okay for you. Yeah, but I, I tend to agree. Uh, we had somebody in the chat say it's going to be more on the Devontae Adams side. Uh, there. The Eagles offense, I don't, I'm don't. i trying not to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's really hard to when you've lost five of the last six games and you're entering as a Super Bowl favorite just coming off of one bad call from likely winning the Super Bowl against the Mahomes Chiefs. It, there, there's real things wrong in Philadelphia. I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts. 
I don't know if Jason Kelsey comes back. How does that affect the offensive line? I, I don't know uh, if you can, can you have just Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard have such a three-horned funnel and have mm-hmm. an offense continue to be successful. There's a lot of those questions that it makes me really anxious, and I don't know if we're going to get the answer against Tampa Bay come Monday. I don't know if you get the answer if they were to beat the Buccaneers uh, in round two. Like I think it's sooner to say you're saying it's in a downward slope, a downward trend offensively. So while A.J. Brown – He's one of the best receivers in the league. I, I feel very confident saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a red zone threat through and through. Jalen Hurts is still one of the better deep ball throwers in the league. That 30-yard uh, lofting throw to A.J. Brown will be forever, for, for forever one of the more dangerous plays so long as both those guys are together. But there's not a volume. Uh, I'm sorry, there is a volume concern relative to any other receiver, I think, in the same conversation. And that's why he is a late first-round pick and not mm-hmm. somebody to consider higher. So I'm with you. A.J. Brown would have been my pick. At 11-12, it's really tough. I'm going to go Saquon Barkley, and I'm assuming that the, the Giants offense will either have a solution if and when Daniel Jones were to struggle slash get hurt, or will have an idea of let's build around Saquon Barkley and the pass catchers and anything else. I think he's coming back. Uh, I, I would assume the Giants, given how bad they have been this season, do not want to lose their franchise. And I know despite Daniel Jones' $40 million contract, Saquon Barkley is the franchise and has been for a little while. He has been so productive when healthy. It's just the one healthy issue. I'm slightly concerned we could see Nick Chubb scenario. I mean, we know Saquon Barkley is brittle. Uh, he had some injury cons- issues this season, as he has many other ones. But when he's healthy, Saquon Barkley is still one of the best running backs in the league. And it's more so that I just don't know if there's an obvious next two picks. I have some guys I like, uh, and maybe that changes after the offseason. But for right now, Saquon Barkley should still be a first-round pick. See, I think this is the first time that we're, we're going to divert and, and disagree on this. I actually have two more running backs ranked ahead of Saquon here. Um, you know, you have another year older for Saquon. You have the injury history here. You have the fact that even if Daniel Jones is healthy, how much does that actually help uh, this team? Um, and, and you know, this is what do we have here? His seventh NFL season, which is getting up there for a running back. You know, we're not going to lie here, especially with the, with, with the injury history and the Overall struggles on offense, even though this, but again, this is a bad offense that can still be productive by finding creative ways to get Saquon the ball. Um, I, like I said, I have two running backs that I would actually take above Saquon in this situation. We can talk about that when we finish the first round, but I actually go, I have to go one guy that I have even higher than these two running backs left. And that is um, our waiver wire MVP Puka oh. Nakuma, at number 12 mm. overall. We're going to okay. Puka. Um, so no Cooper Cup. It's Puka Nakua that uh, ends up being a first-round selection in your mind. Yep, I, I think, you know, I, lo- I love Cooper Cup. He's a fine uh, late second, early third-round pick in my mind. And if uh, that means I don't get any of them this year, uh, so be it. But, you know, he's had injury history as well here. And we have a full-on changing of the guard. Even when Cup was back, Nakua was wide receiver one there. And, um, you know, I expect Stafford to be back and healthy. Um, you know, Nakua had a record-setting rookie year. You know, he's only going to build on that and continue to grow. Uh, Cup being around even for a handful of games, I think that really um, that really, that really really helps the situation here. Um, but, yeah, Puka's number 12 for me. Uh, that's a little bit safer than um, – you know, some of the running backs who, uh, you know, can get banged up and a couple of the wide receivers that also seem to have had some question marks. Can I guess the two running backs that you take over Saquon Barkley right now? I'm going to guess. Uh, right sure, go ahead. I believe one is Kyron Williams. The chat mentioned it as well, too. And I'll talk about Kyron Williams in a second. 
is the other, at least for me, the other would be Nick Chubb. But I'm curious if Nick Chubb is your second running back. So the answer is actually neither. <laughs> really? Well, this is this yeah. is actually more. Okay, so who Nick, are the two you're taking? So, so Nick Chubb has had too many uh, too many knee injuries for me to throw first round value on him. Okay. Um, if we get him out on the practice field and maybe even a preseason snap or two, and he looks all right, um, then we'll think about it. But that is serious, some serious, serious knee reconstruction for you know the multiple times. And I, th- I believe he's had problems with both knees now. He, he, you know, it's bad. Either it's both knees or just a. It happened in week bad. one though. Like if if there's one injury that you could theoretically have a full season to recover from, it, it would be this scenario, right? We saw Adrian Peterson do it a while ago. Uh, I, I don't think Nick Chubb is Adrian Peterson genetics wise, but th- this isn't like 1980 anymore, Peterson. right? Yeah, genetics wise. Um, the other thing is, uh, let's see here. So yeah, Chubb entering his age 28 season. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Maybe he'll get into my mid second round here. But I didn't have Chubb, and I didn't have uh, Kyron Williams either. I know Kyron Williams did a whole lot for me. I think. Um, and he made the most of his opportunity, and he's starting starting to turn me on the fact that maybe he's actually a good player. Maybe he's actually improved, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but but Kyron Williams in any other roster or system, I, I'm not entirely sure that Kyron Williams isn't just a guy necessarily. And I know that that's insulting, given how amazing he was and the money he won. I should donate to his charities just for saying that, right? But um, I think that there are a lot of running backs, given the opportunity that Kyron Williams had that could have matched his production here. Um, now, obviously, Kyron Williams is a Ram and he is there fine, but um, and he'll be a second-round pick for me. Maybe some people will go a little over the top. I had two running backs actually check in uh, ahead of, of Barkley and Williams and um, and who's the other guy, Chubb, that Nick we discussed Chubb. Yep. here. Yeah, so, uh, so here, we're going to get weird. You can tell me why I'm wrong here. I had Jameer Gibbs ranked number 12 overall. I would take him at the one-two turn. I... Um, I love again. So again, you know, maybe there's some offensive coordinator uncertainty there, but um, you know, this year's rookie year, Gibbs wasn't fully used to his full extent. Maybe we had a little Arthur Smith syndrome. Maybe we had the fact that they paid David Montgomery a good chunk of money, and that Montgomery gets a lot of the goal line yards. But I think, um, and I, and I was out on Gibbs largely this season um, for much for many of those reasons, right? Um, I think as a second year player uh, with a full NFL season under his belt, I believe that uh, he'll be he'll be utilized more. He'll get more touches, um, you know, might even get some red zone work. David Montgomery has been banged up on and off here. You know, he did a short IR stint this season. So uh, Jameer Gibbs is. I mean, he, he reminds me of B.J. Robinson. You look at him in the open field, right? The Lions, oh, they're, they're way something. different players, but I, I yeah, know way different players. Okay. But like, he, you know, they. They, as far as getting a screen and taking it to the house, both of them are equally capable of that on any given day, and obviously that's a huge, uh, you know, huge for fantasy. Um, yeah, get, yeah, Gibbs is going to be one of my guys next year. I can see, and um, mm. that's why. I mean, I think part of it's bias because he burned me every single time I played him, and then every <laughs> single time I didn't play him. So I, I, I watched these games and would watch him go off and like okay, I'm not going to completely skip exposure to him next year. So Gibbs is another one. And then give me uh, who I had 13th overall on my list. I had Travis Etienne. Okay. That one I understand. Yeah. He is the back here. Tank Bigsby clearly wasn't a, a factor. Trevor Lawrence will be healthier. The Jaguars will be 
slightly better. ETN showed me he can stay healthy for 16 games this season. And uh, again, they don't have to worry about the, the playoffs here to, um, you know, have any extra tread on those tires. So um, yeah, give me Travis ETN and Gibbs above Saquon. I'm just, Saquon is fine. Uh, I'm okay being a year uh, early. too early to exit him as opposed to being one year too late grabbing him. So that's kind of I mean, where I it's, it's like the Dalvin Cook scenario, even when he was with the Vikings, but certainly last year with the Jets, he was being drafted in the second round and a little bit too old, you're a little bit concerned and still produced, just like Saquon Barkley still produced, but you mm-hmm. can clearly tell it's not the same guy from a couple of seasons ago. I still think Saquon Barkley, even if it's like 80% version of <clears throat> Saquon, is is easily one of the best running backs in the league. But there, there is actually a lot that I wanted to pick apart here, and I, I, let's give it like five minutes. So the, the Puka Nakua thing, we'll come back to that, because I actually have a few receivers that I take ahead of Puka Nakua uh, and does not belong in the first round of my mind. If you said today Kyron Williams comes back, the Rams do not draft or sign a running back, then yes. Obviously, he's a first-round pick. I think Kyron Williams jumps above Saquon Barkley in my mind. He would he would be in the same tier of Jonathan Taylor, who we had at 1718 in that range. I just think with a, a full complement of draft picks, we talked about last week, the Rams uh, will, and being a very attractive free agent market will, will certainly sign, let's just say a Joe Mixon or somebody to get cut by the Bengals. They're going to add at the position. They always go for star guys who will warrant a certain uh, workload, even if Kyron Williams was great in what he did this season. So I'm, I'm saying Kyron's not a first round pick next year. Cause I think the Rams dramatically change things next year. Um, I, I don't mind ETN. I would take ETN if we felt good about the offensive changes that Jacksonville Jake will, will make, whether it's Doug Peterson getting fired, whether it's Prez Taylor, the offensive coordinator getting fired. Somebody has to take the I would fall. argue that those guys sticking around would be better. No, 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 no. no. If, if they stick around, I mean, this is this is um, because I'm a disciple of Mario Puig, but you listen to their Thursday podcast and I do the Friday show with them on Sirius XM Radio. If Prez Taylor and Doug Peterson are – the one-two combo calling plays, that offense will not win more than six games next year. They were figured out halfway through the year, uh, and I think they were they were a complete detriment to ETN. I don't think because they draft to take Bigsby early on, they'll they'll invest another early draft pick at running back. So if it's new offensive regime and ETN more or less getting a 85% workload what he did this season, great. That would be best-case scenario. I just don't have the capacity to project best case scenario for Jacksonville anymore. I don't feel comfortable that occurs. So that's why I won't say Quan Barkley. Uh, somebody in the chat had mentioned HN. Uh, and if you were to say Raheem Mostert doesn't come back, which I think he's either on the end of his two-year deal or could easily be cut, obviously a year older, fine. HN cannot handle a starting caliber running back workload. And that's one of those that if someone was like, oh, it's HN's going to be the Tony Pollard this year, be like, yep. He will. Completely disappointing. Do not draft among the first 24 picks. That's a mistake, no matter the high-end games that occur. So I, I get it. The Jameer Gibbs thing, though, that's really interesting because Ben Johnson's gone. I guarantee you he's gone. Do you, do you find an offensive coordinator that gets both David Montgomery and Gibbs involved? I think, yes, you have to, given the draft capital invested and the $6 million a year contract signed to Montgomery last year. Will they be as effective? getting both those guys evolved regardless of if you want to have them both evolved, will they be effective? That's really tricky. That's really, really difficult scenario. I don't that's know weird. if you can guarantee that's happening. Gibbs is the far better player. I'm not saying he's not, but the Lions with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, 
clear, clear as day, Swift is better, still had a, a utilized role. And I think it's Dan Campbell's philosophy. So I, I don't think you can easily say Gibbs will be a 1,200-yard runner and 300-yard receiver. He might be the better player. He should get those opportunities. But Dan Campbell, for whatever the reason, hasn't been that primary focus. This season, Jameer Gibbs, 945 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, 5.2 yards per carry. Those are great numbers. But it's the same conversation we had with Tony Pollard last season where, oh, once Zeke is gone, he'll go insane. I don't think it works that way in today's NFL, not the way the Lions want to do things. I'm not confident Gibbs is a late first-round pick in my mind. I just – I look at it and I see – look at what he did as a rookie. Even if things shake up, like, there'll be room to grow. Yeah, I mean, that's the optimistic way of things. I think Ben Johnson leaving, though, changes that whole outcome. And, again, he he has to leave with all the head coaches – uh, that are changing and, and should be changing over the next week or so. Real quick, you have Puka Nakua as your last pick in the first round. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I would have personally rather had Chris Olave. I think he is a bona fide number one receiver. Don't talk to me about Michael Thomas. You were in on him at the beginning of this year. Then we can officially say the Michael Thomas thing is done. The Saints yeah, yeah. probably can't me. draft another receiver. Uh, I, I like A.T. Perry to a certain point, but you're you're going to have Chris Olave be the number one guy in an offense that, Mm-hmm. Derek Carr's bad, right, or, or not very good, but they're going to get the ball to Chris Olave. And I also think whether it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, DJ Moore, I would have over Pukunakua because you are going to have a better offensive coordinator, whatever the Bears have done this year, who will get DJ Moore the ball yeah. more often. <laughs> See, the DJ Moore thing is what I disagree with uh, severely. I didn't even have him in my top 18 um, overall. Um, I think, yeah, sure, you have a better offensive coordinator. It's still a new offensive coordinator. And it might be Caleb Williams at quarterback. We don't necessarily know. So there's some uncertainty. Would Caleb Williams be better than Justin Fields for DJ? Moore? I feel equally confident that whatever you got from Moore this year with a better offensive coordinator happens with Caleb Williams or Fields. Either yep. one. Yeah. So anyway, after so just to go through the rest of my rankings, after Gibbs and ETN, I had Debo Samuel at 14, just above Olave. Um, I think that he is amazing and he is a league winner. Uh, he can be a league winner when you get to outside of this top 15. So I had 14. So here are all the receivers I had above DJ Moore. I had Debo Samuel, Chris Olave, um, and then I still put Stefan Diggs over the top. I know when they changed offensive yeah. coordinators um, and went to a more run-heavy approach, Diggs' production completely fell off a cliff. I think with the whole offseason to figure it out and possibly have a new coordinator, uh, they'll, the, but the Bills are better when they're using Diggs to his full potential. So I had him ahead of DJ Moore. And one other one that was really, really tight, I had Garrett Wilson ahead of DJ Moore. But this and is I, where someone in the chat mentioned him too. and debatable here because Garrett Wilson, of course, he let a lot of people down with the Jets. But if we're playing that same logic that we did with Brees Hall and Aaron Rodgers coming back and making that offense collectively better, uh, we know – now, you know, unless they somehow finagle a way to get Devontae Adams or, or whatever, which, you know, that's, see, that seems unlikely, but you never know what, what strings Rodgers is able, able to pull. Um, as as, they, as long as they go in with Garrett Wilson as their number one receiver, and there's no reason to think that they won't, um, Rodgers likes to dial in on his guy, and Garrett Wilson will be his guy and could absolutely. You know, as far as guys outside the top 15, I don't necessarily think Diggs could finish his wide receiver one. We're getting him because of steady week-to-week production. I think Garrett Wilson, with the right set of circumstances, could actually finish as a league-winning wide receiver one type. So that's interesting. And I guess, uh, again, I was the B. John Robinson goes in the first round last year guy before he was even drafted. <laughs> Marvin Harrison won't be a first-round receiver. I don't think it's possible. Nope. 
But we we had Justin Jefferson his rookie year. We talked about it on the Wave podcast because Mike Zimmer was dumb and was not playing him for a certain amount of period and was cut in a few spots. A receiver as talented and gifted as Marvin Harrison can make things work even if you were to go to the Panthers. Or I'm just saying whatever the worst situation is mm-hmm. imaginable. We've had scenarios where Drake London and Amari Cooper were wide receiver ones on fantasy teams despite awful quarterback play and awful uh, coaching. Marvin Harrison Jr. will be a receiver that I think you draft in the first 32 picks and will return fantasy value equal or better to that. I feel very confident mm-hmm. right now today, January 9th, even as, you know, without knowing where he's going to go or what offensive system will be. So yeah. just just real real quick with that mention too. I 100% believe that uh, Marvin Harrison will be the highest drafted fantasy rookie wide receiver of all time. His ADP will probably be in the late second, early third round. I'm yep. I'm just going to be out on that. You know, I'm okay taking the L, but um, that's a little too high. I am taking guys like Diggs and Garrett Wilson, guys that I know are out there before. Um, you know, DJ Moore, that, that line gets interesting. Maybe it's just some Bears adverse, but I did have some lines ranked pretty high. So we'll see here. The last thing to talk about in the first round is what about Sam Laporta? Obviously, Kelsey's been a first-round pick for ages. We didn't take any uh, Kelsey or any tight ends in the first round here. And we talked. No Darren Wallers? We mocked the second, but we talked about the first half, three quarters of the second round. And Laporta's name hasn't came up yet. I put him at 16 on my list. I do want to see what happens with the. Um, with the injuries here, with the knee injuries, yep. how, how he looks in the playoffs, uh, if he's given proper time to recover here for that. But um, Sam Laporta, to me, is undoubtedly tight end one. I think he makes it into – it'll be midway through the second round for me, you know, somewhere in the 16 to 20 range here. Is that a little too high for him, or do you think that's about spot on? No, I think that's about right. And you could throw Mark Andrews in there. Um, I, I don't – I wouldn't go that high for Trey McBride, but he'll be a popular candidate in the same vein as uh, Darren Waller or David Njoku or – uh, How far does Kelsey fall? Does he fall out of the second round? I don't think he plays next year. I really think he's going to retire. But if you're saying Kelsey comes back, he would also be. I think he goes behind Mark Andrews and whatever other young court, whatever young tight end you want. Whether whether someone gets talked to Kyle Pitts again or somebody like that, uh, they'll they'll like. I think Kelsey becomes tight end four uh, with Laporta, Mark Andrews, and then. Tight end du jour. Uh, I agree with August. you. There's a non-zero chance that he just doesn't play at all. And that, yeah, is, I, I just a, that is certainly scary if you are doing best balls already. I know best balls are open, you know, and best mm-hmm. balls are going to be the big thing right after the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we'd hopefully know by then, but that is a certainly scary enough, you know, to uh, keep uh, – because, you know, if you use a second-round pick on him in February and he retires, you're you're toast. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you're, you're completely toast. So, um I'm not taking him, you know, above. I'm not taking him before the third round, and I'm not doing that until at least August, and we have a good idea that he's playing. So, you know, for your best ball drafters and and whatnot, that means I'm out on him. You know, so be it. Because even if he does play, the trajectory he was on this year was not necessarily great. So um, I think he's just got too much going on outside of football, which – Good for him. You know, he's he's won league titles for me. He's helped me get free stakes. I love Travis Kelsey. I love everything he has he has done for me in, in the fantasy realm over the last bunch of seasons. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be his time here pretty soon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, for one final time this season, Jake, get ready for the big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino Super Sundays in Vegas. Of course, this year, you can watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Get the massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects that will occur all throughout the game. Staying the best seat in the sun with day beds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports, for the big game bash, three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium style food, and more. And don't miss these legendary viewing experiences February 11th, the big game viewing parties only at Circa Resort and Casino Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right. Uh, I had talked about at the beginning of the show, and it's worth mentioning real quick. We had had success with our futures in past seasons. Not so much this year. Uh, my overall record was a, a brutal 12 and 20. I didn't realize I did this bad, which is, which is really sad. You weren't much better 14 and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a tough year for us from, from yes. betting. So and I think most rationalize this, right? Um, we pick every game for the fun of doing it, but in real life with your sports better. And we said this several times during the show in real life, if you're a sports better, you're not betting every single of these 32 just to bet them, right? You know, you're picking right. the ones that you're most confident in, right? And every year we highlight uh, both of, or we highlight at least three best bets. And the best bets that we offered were at least profitable, right? So this admittedly, yeah, maybe we got a little lucky the last couple of years going above 500 betting everything. Mm-hmm. And again, we bet everything because it's the point of the show and that's what we do. But in real life, the only bets that we'd actually, that I was going to actually make were the Jets under, the Broncos under, and the Chargers over. Unfortunately, the Chargers over. I misread that significantly. I still believe that Justin Herbert is and can be great. 
but uh, I I underestimated how much uh, the poor coaching staff's effect and the complete lack. I thought the complete lack of defense would help him, but in any case, I took an L on that. The Broncos under was a yes. Um, that needed till the very last game of the season to make sure here. Yeah. Uh, so that was closer than we thought. And then uh, my Jets under, you know, whether it was Rodgers or whether or whether not, um, you know, you'd argue I got a little lucky there. But two and one on best bets, fourteen and eighteen overall. You also were above five hundred on your best bets. So the ones that you were most confident in, which I think is what truly matters for the type for the point and the purpose of the show, the ones you were most confident in, you were able to hit. Yeah, I mean the Broncos and Bears ones, we had to sweat out their unders here in the last games of the season. I had no idea that CJ Stroud would be this good. Uh, I had yep. liked CJ Stroud more than Bryce Young. I wish I was more adamant about it because that was that was not a popular opinion at the time. And now everyone who was saying, "Oh yeah, Bryce Young, totally worth number one one overall." CJ Stroud's pretty good, but you know, Ohio State quarterbacks, those guys are gone. I mean, you, you don't hear of them anymore. It's like that was erased from the history books. But that was not a foregone conclusion uh, entering. July and August, certainly, I, I didn't envision, even being a C.J. Straw guy, uh, the Texans having this kind of success. And really, kudos to Demico Ryans. I loved Nico Collins, but didn't think he would emerge like that. And the defense just looking far better than the sum of their parts. Uh, credit to the Texans overall. Panthers under was correct as well. But another one that I had been talking about on a lot of other platforms was Saints making the playoffs, and that didn't occur either. I thought Derek Carr was just going to make that offense slightly better and it didn't. You know, I like Chris Olave among my first round receivers next year. If Derek Carr had been, were to be released, I don't think he really can be, but if he were, it wouldn't surprise me because that that was a failure of an experiment. Whether it's Dennis Allen getting fired or a, a dramatic change elsewhere with New Orleans, I expected that team to be better. I thought the defense would be better and offense better. And everyone stunk. It was like the NFC South poison just seeped into New Orleans and sucked up everything else, too. So. Uh, I, I was wrong about the, uh, the Saints call on that one. And overall, I, you know, I do the Tuesday betting article where I picked every game against the spread. I think I finished 56%. You know, like I, I got the individual games correct most times throughout the given week, but our over-unders never really uh, quite there. And in large part due to all the injuries that happened at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You called this the year of the backup quarterback, right? And uh, so it was a tough year for futures to predict. Obviously, the luck can go one way or another there. But, I mean, you know, just a couple notes. We both had the over on the Eagles, who epically collapsed. I think they only needed one more brain to hit their mark. And, you know, that would have made our records look a little bit better. We both had the over on the Vikings. They only needed two more wins uh, to get there. I'm sure if they had Kirk Cousins, they would have gotten two more wins, um, you know, than they did. So, you know, so that's very interesting. Of course, we both had the under on the Browns. Uh, who ex- exceeded that expectation despite four starting quarterbacks. And again, we both missed the Saints by one win. So those were just some highlights of uh, how we got here. You know, so clearly if the pendulum tips in the other direction on one of those, there's a lot of, we're looking a lot better. But once again, I can't stress enough is the theme is that you don't have to bet every single game. We do that for the purposes of the show, but you stick to the ones you're most confident in. And I think every single year, our best bets have been above 500. So uh, that'll be something to focus on when we do this next year, which will be, you know, we'll undoubtedly be doing a a win total over under here uh, towards the end as we're looking for material in August. I think confidently we're going to see close to a fourth of the league's head coaches either change or uh, offensive defensive scheme shift enough where you might as well count it among the, the changes at HC. And it's because of that that I don't really feel like there's an obvious, what do we do from here? Uh, what's a takeaway? Because 
mm-hmm. with such dramatic change and, and hopefully better coaching that, you know, other than the referees impacting so many games, which we talked about on past podcasts, I thought the coaching this season was as bad as we've seen in a number of years. And I don't know if it's cause I was naive in my youth watching coaching and, and football overall, or just being more knowledgeable now about how the game is played and what I think it takes to be successful. But either way, uh, I'm hoping better coaching uh, yeah. all the retread guys and retread ideas kind of going to the ether next season will make the NFL season a better experience overall. That's my biggest takeaway and hope. We talk a lot about how there are only 15 really good quarterbacks in the league, 15 quarterbacks that you're confident in week in and week out. And, you know, the back half leaves a lot of bad quarterback play in uh, prime time, which, you know, we had a nice rant on earlier this year. Easily the same thing could be said about head coaches. There are only maybe 15 really, really good head coaches. And then the other half of the league is going to keep rotating until they try to find one that is able to rise above that line of mediocrity. And we're going to have to uh, carefully evaluate that next season and, and see where that goes. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for us. The final edition of the Tuesday Road Wire podcast, of course, brought to you by Circus Sports. Again, I'm Joe Barley. You can follow me on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, you can, you can yell us bad waiver wire pickups you can say thank you as well too that was great uh, a yep. couple of weeks ago as well but we'll be around you got a lot of college basketball stuff going yeah. on over the next couple of months now it, it's mm-hmm. it's a big time for you specifically Exactly. I was going to, I wanted to quick run through a couple of, uh, you know, just RotoWire related plugs here. Obviously, with football winding down and baseball draft season getting going here, uh, you know, we've got the full RotoWire MLB draft kit up on the site here projections, news, outlooks, the iOS app. If you kind of want the light version, just the drafting only tool that gets a lot of those features anyway. The baseball content, Clay, James, and the whole crew do a hell of a job season mm-hmm. in and season out. Um, you know, there's been a lot of off-season baseball news, so you definitely got to catch up on that. So check that out on Rotowire. Uh, yeah, like you said, thanks for the shout out. My, myself personally, rotowire.com slash cbasketball will get you to the front page here. Um, you know, even even if you're not going to pay, I've got a, a DraftKings, a prize pick, and a best bets article just for college basketball up on the site today that are all free. And if you did want to, you know, jump to the pay tier, look at the bottom there, rotowire.com slash pod, get you 48 hours, uh, you know, there's a legitimate prize pool in DraftKings College Basketball tonight, and we have an optimizer and all the other tools just like we would for the other stuff. And then, of course, uh, you know, back on the MMA grind this week here, we got fight night this weekend, a pay-per-view next weekend, um, some massive cards ahead, UFC 300 in a couple of months here. Um, so definitely we're staying active uh, all over the place on Rotowire. Catch me through March Madness. Catch me through the big UFC events, you know, at Roto Jake. Uh, like you see at the bottom there. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening all season. I hope we were able to help you guys and that, uh, you know, we were able to bring back some titles and that we'll have a lot of you back uh, next year. You know, the viewership was up. Thank you to everyone that come and came and joined us in the chats. I know Tuesday afternoon, we need to get the show out for the uh, commute home for the waiver wire folks here. There's still a lot of you that come out and join us and participate with us in the chat. And we are very grateful for that. And for everyone that has tuned in all season. So we appreciate it. Um, Good luck with your best ball drafts, and we'll be back with you next summer. All right. That does it for us again. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, hopefully stay safe, obviously, with the weather going on. And uh, if your favorite teams, like our Packers, are in the playoffs, best of luck to them, unless you are facing our Packers, in which case, Mike McCarthy, you are going down. uh, And we'll be talking (laughs) about the Packers Super Bowl champions in 2024. Kidding, of course. Thanks, everyone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.